It's Mike Z. Dude, I got to tell you about this really fun interview I did back on May the 19th. I've done a lot over the 20 years of radio, but uh, never one quite like this one. Had Robert Mason, the current Warrant singer for the past eight or nine years, in the studio with me. And then Eric Turner, Warrant guitarist, on the phone, talking and celebrating their new album, Louder, Harder, Faster, which is out now. Thank you in this day and age for still putting out a record and still caring about putting out a record when a lot of your contemporaries are kind of saying they're done with records. Well, you kind of have to do it because you still want to and you like to. I think it's a great opportunity to, you know, kind of flex your creative muscles a little bit. And if people uh, play a couple of live songs, you know, play a couple of new songs live like we did last night at the Canyon Club. And honestly, you get in a sweaty room with a bunch of people. And I mean, Eric will contest to this. We were both looking at each other going, wow, they're really loud. Like they're singing the, you know, the chorus back to us and everything. It was fun. Eric, your thoughts? Uh, we don't do it as often as we used to. It's a labor of love, and, and I think a lot of people really gig on hearing new music from, from bands that, uh, that they grew up on. Hell yeah, man. And I'm a new music junkie, so I absolutely love it. The best album title ever. <laughs> Louder, harder, faster. I mean, like, yes, of course. Like, let me get in my car, throw down the windows, and, and turn that thing up to 11 and gas to the floorboard, you know? That's what a couple of these songs were primarily about and for. It's it's. You know, to have like a thing in your head and have it materialize as an actual song and then it gets on a record and then you play it live and then, you know, the inevitable people coming to you after shows or reviews and say, oh, dude, dude, I got your, you know, I got your songs, uh, new songs. And the first thing I did is I went in my car and cranked the snot out of it and just pedal to the floor. And that's exactly what I wanted to happen. You did it. It doesn't happen often in life this way, kids. (laughs) (laughs) Savor these moments. (laughs) I think Robert wanted everybody to get speeding tickets. Uh, Well, I have some. I have some. (laughs) Yeah, you need to uh, wear a helmet when you listen to this record. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's... this is like rock is rocks a tough game kids get a cup and a helmet it was one of those weird things like the louder harder faster thing was something uh that i just said in a live show to kind of that boredom and to build hype between like a you know a ballad and a fast song right and i think it just came out of my mouth one time and then i did it a second and a third and a fourth time on the road a few years ago then it became a riff then it became a song then i i think drunkenly said to joey allen one night in a hotel bar dude i got the title track for new record and he's like yeah brack, brack, brack. i'll believe it when i see <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And that like it's it's you know and it's not and that's not me being cocky to say that it was it was just that when it all fell together we had this batch of songs and what are we going to call the record and I think we threw emails around one day and I I said okay I'm I'm gonna be a little forward here and say that this is what it should be called and and five responses back yeah I thought it was pretty obvious with the record makes perfect sense you know I don't think there was any really debate about it anything heavy maybe a couple other titles got thrown out but louder harder faster is just an awesome title and it fits the music on this record and you know where we're at right now jeff pilson as a producer of course we know him as the bassist forever for Dawkins, and and then now he's with um foreigner foreigner for the past yeah. decade plus or whatever right. it's been but also a hell of a producer did the last album and then this one too right george lynch has introduced me to jeff when i was in lynch mob so i know jeff probably since like late 91 early 92 he came in the studio when we were recording our lynch mob record so we'd never worked together but we were kind of fans of each other and and casual you know peripheral music industry friends and it just turns out that jeff had done a couple of really cool records for our label and uh he's he's a very musical guy he sees things in his own way which sometimes coincides with what we what we think and then we you know it's not like we had arguments making the record but it was always 
we had intelligent conversations about the way things should go and everybody in our band like no matter who comes up with a song idea everybody in the band has to make it their own you know so they come in and make their parts their parts and put sure. their stamp on them and it's jeff's job to be part therapist part referee <laughs> you know producer and part you know cheerleaders like that was a great track guys okay we'll do it again like yeah. that's that's the i don't have what i want yet but you're on the right track and i want to be encouraging not discouraging dr so pilson he, he's that kind of guy yeah very smart musical guy more than more than i even knew your thoughts Eric? Yeah, he's, well i'd never worked with you know we'd never worked with jeff before but he came highly recommended not only from the label but other musicians that i respect that did records with him and so um and i and i had met him socially a few times and i had a really good impression of jeff you know this is a really super nice guy super cool dude but um you know he came into pre-production and we had all these songs and we started you know all this mishmash of demos and stuff we started working them up as a band and what struck me was you know how excited he was getting about about the music you know and oh this is going to be a great record and this and that and started getting me not that i wasn't excited about doing a record but it got me a little more pumped up a little more confident to hear it from somebody outside the band saying you know wow you guys got a you know you got some really good songs here we're going to be able to make a really killer record so i love that enthusiasm and of course love all the vintage gear in his studio that he works out of he's got a, just tons of guitars and basses and amps and mics and you know effects pedals so for for musicians like us you know, having the access to all those different guitars to get all the different tones, whether it's amps or mic. But, you know, he brought so much to the table as far as musically engineering the record, producing the record, and then having all this killer gear that we could use. Your guys' thoughts on Chris Cornell? Brilliant singer. I saw Soundgarden in 1980, God, 88 or 89, like the Loud Love, like the first club tour. So I, fa- I saw them by accident in a club in New Jersey. Oh, wow. They had spelled Soundgarden incorrectly or dropped one of the letters off the marquee or something like that. And I saw that and I see Loud Love. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> I mean, no kidding. Like that naive about it. I went and just like had my mind blown. I was a fan. Guy, you know, clearly super creative guy. Uh, gone too soon. Like you said, the coolest guy in the room all the time, like about Prince, like Chris Cornell had that too. Oh, yeah. Eric? Yeah, I was a huge fan of Soundgarden. Uh, Alice in Chains and Soundgarden, like two of my favorites that came out of that grunge era. And then when he, you know, he did his uh, audio save thing, I love that record. Unbelievable. And then his acoustic, you know, tour that he did. And once again, amazing. So, yeah, big fan. I'm just hard to wrap your brain around it uh, i was shocked clearly a brilliant guy i yeah. was driving out here i you know I, I live in arizona so i was driving out and my phone just went nuts about from seven or eight in the morning on because i had friends that were in the show at the show at detroit mm. just everybody was numb a couple of people i talked to just like I, I can't even breathe right now so i you know not like you said not to be a downer yeah but i mean let's let's celebrate how brilliant that guy was how about that that's all we can do is that's the best possible thing we can do yeah you know let everybody who, who doesn't know just how creatively awesome yeah, Chris was not to keep it morbid or but to keep it happy and light. And, and obviously got to got to ask about Janie. And yeah, I mean, we uh, we had a lot of great times when we, you know, when he joined the band in 86 to I would say up until around 94, you know, it was mostly just great. You know, a lot of fun, amazing front man, singer, very, you know, charismatic, great songwriter. We had a lot of good a lot of good times, man. It's uh, tragic what happened with, with Janie as well and so many other so many other talented artists that um, have a, I don't know if it's self-destructive or they have a disease or a combination of both that just can't stop 
can't stop drinking. Yeah, yeah. But he and I, you know, honestly, from my perspective, as an outsider and a fan first, and a fan and a friend perspective, we got to be buds. Uh, you know, socially, while I was making the first Lynch Mob record, so '91. You know, we ended up bumping into each other too many times not to, you know, hang out and and have good good fun. Some things, you know, people ask like, "What's the stuff? What can you tell me? What's the juiciest story that ever happened on the?" You know, like, "Nope, I'm saving it for the book." You know, <laughs> there was a lot of fun. Uh, Lynch Mob supported Warren, and that's how I kind of, I kind of got into this whole mess, as it were. <laughs> back in '92, uh, on when we both had records out back then, so you know, Lane and I would get in a cab and disappear and go find a cover band and go jump on stage and play have a lot of fun so i i take all those memories with me and doing some math here and kind of the trend these days i got to thinking like hmm 2019 not that far away could they be possibly plotting or can i put the bug in their ear to be plotting maybe playing uh the 30th anniversary of dirty rotten in its entirety Hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, hmm. people have brought that up. Other bands have done that. I, we, we haven't done that yet, hmm. which is good. We have a reason to do it because we haven't done it yet. Exactly. <laughs> it's really cool to, to play a record start to finish in order. That would be... Uh, That'd be fun. Well, in our live show, Eric, we do, what, 10, 11 songs from the first two the records? first two records, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a pretty wide cross-section. We're always throwing in the odd one here and there. Uh, a few off Doggy Dog, which I really appreciate because that's the record where we were direct support for Warrant back mm-hmm. in the day. And I was, you know, I got to do my set and then hear the roar, you know, in the arena, go down, quick shower, catering, and then race up on stage right or stage left and watch uh, watch people get turned on to that record for the first time with a lot of those songs. So to do two or three from that record always makes me smile yeah so maybe maybe we could we could possibly get that album in its entirety and the sequencing and everything yeah i wouldn't be against it yeah no that would be cool how much time did you guys spend on that artwork on that cover (laughs) and all the little hidden things in there you know that came together pretty quick kind of like louder harder faster and i felt you know dirty rod filthy stinking rich was an obvious record and uh, i think joey had an idea in regarding to have this corporate guy big fat dude up there that's too much money and too much power had the idea for that and so the label hired a guy named mark ryden he's doing a lot of art for disney he's still around you can look him up he's an unbelievable artist and as far as i remember that you know the, all that hidden stuff in there he just did that on his own oh wow um, yeah yeah, he's that kind of artist. He's got that kind of brain. He's still really active, iconic in a way for that for that era. Absolutely, that's that's why I had to ask about that. And and just one more old one. It, it, who was it that had thirty two pennies in a ragu jar? I mean, who who was that? That must have been Lane. I never had that much money. <laughs> <laughs> what are the touring plans for the new album? Well, the new mode of touring for us is uh, is getting on commercial aircraft, and you know weekend warrior spending a couple of days a week in your own bed and then throw the contents of your luggage on the floor and do laundry and repack it back up and go back out so you know we will get on a plane midweek or so and play anywhere from two three four whatever shows and then come back we do that all year round it'll be a little more intense now since the record's out and we get a wonderful opportunity to you know to push that out there and yeah. people and all but uh yeah that's we've been doing that off and on guys almost completely without stop since i've been in the band with the exception of making records yeah almost nine years now and um we are coming back to uh, southern california it's a little ways off i don't know how many people listening to this will remember but uh, august 19th we're playing in uh temecula california and i believe it's august 18th we're playing up in big bear california so uh oh cool 
check out warrantrocks.com and, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're always posting tour dates and pictures from the road and, you know, we're making the studio. We're, you know, posting a lot of stuff. And so, yeah, follow us, like us. Who is the social media guy? Is there a designee or do you guys all kind of pitch in? I don't know. Eric and I probably do it the most. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. <laughs> Begrudgingly, it sounds You're like a little bit. to him. <laughs> Once in a while, uh, Jerry will, will do some stuff. You know, we have a publicist that uh, posts stuff for us as well. But, you know, we do a lot of it. Robert and I do a lot. Are you still in the wine business? Uh, yeah, not as active with it as, as I was uh, when we first started with Warrant being so busy and records and stuff. I don't have the opportunity to go out and promote it as much as you know I used to. But uh, anybody interested in the wine, go to southcoastwinery.com and go to the online store and you'll see, you'll see all the wines on there. Some good stuff. Drank some last night. Awesome, man. I'm more of the craft beer guy, but I'm giving wine wine a try. Eric was in the wine drinking business last night. <laughs> yeah, I was exactly. in the tequila drinking business last night. And then Eric took some of my tequila. Well, it's not my tequila. It's our tequila. So, yeah. You mix the wine and tequila It was last good night. fun. Yeah, well, it all oh, gets mixed Eric. eventually. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh. yeah. Wine and tequila. Oh. Oh. It's not for the uh, timid. No. Uh, got to be trained like a rock soldier to uh, pull that off. <laughs> like I said, it, this is a rough business. Get a cup and a, and a helmet. <laughs> and a mouth guard. <laughs> and a mouth guard. <laughs> Damn, bro. Made it through the entire interview. Well, if you've tolerated me for this long, might as well tolerate me on social media as well. On Instagram and Facebook, you'll find me at Radioactive Mike Z. On Twitter and on Snapchat, Mike Z967. Until next time, man, keep those horns high in the sky. I'll catch you later. Adios. See ya. Bye bye.